Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. Welcome back as we head into Hour 3, coming to you from our 960 The Patriot Broadcast Studio, which is brought to you by the veteran-owned Midas Gold Group, your trusted source for precious metals. It is a delight to bring back to the show Brandon Weikert. He is the author of several books, including Winning Space, How America Remains a Superpower, The Shadow War, Iran's Quest for Supremacy, and Biohacked, China's Race to Control Life. Brandon, happy Monday. How are you, sir? Uh, I am fending off this horrible rainstorm we're having, but aside from that, I am well. It's uh, raining in Florida. It's snowing in Iowa. It's uh, a <laughs> chill in Phoenix. Um, I guess we can say global good, warming. Yeah, something like that. They've changed it to climate change. I guess which I guess yes, <laughs> which which gives them excuses to say whatever they want. Exactly. That's it's a much more fungible term. I saw an interesting comment by Mark Thiessen earlier today. I wanted to run by you. He said, um, you know, when the Republicans are kind of doing their thing typically during primaries and they're getting a lot of the attention on the eve before Iowa or as we go to New Hampshire, perhaps on the cusp of South Carolina and Super Tuesday kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. says usually the Democratic president will um, engage in foreign policy, foreign policy yeah. briefings, foreign policy speeches. Of course. Kind of looking Brag like the, the elder statesman in control of things, doing the job of the president, right? Not so for Biden. <laughs> That's what Mark said. He said, but if you look at this, he has had nothing to say in days. <clears throat> Meanwhile... Uh, word I used last week was pandemonium. I'd use it again. I suppose it looks like it. The Iran-backed Houthis uh, struck a cargo ship in the Gulf of Aden today. Um, Two Navy SEALs look to be uh, missing, God forbid, uh, dead, um, having tried to board an illegally armed ship of Iran. Um, Brandon. Yeah. What's going on? Yeah. Well, to evoke Rumsfeld, it's war, chaos, violence, unrest, any penny, the sky is falling. And there's Joe Biden asleep at the switch. And uh, do they yet know who the Secretary of Defense is? I can't remember. I can't keep up anymore. Um, This is is what happens when you have a brain-dead president. Uh, We've moved from incompetence to just straight-up brain-dead. And it's going to get worse from here. Um, You know, they're, they're basically banking on Trump getting the nomination and then running the 2020 playbook where they make it about, you know, how awful Trump is, and then they're going to try to make it how he's pro, uh, you know, putting women in chastity belts or whatever. And that's going to be their play. (laughs) That sentence has never been uttered on this show in (laughs) 10 years. (laughs) Okay. Well, I'm glad to be the first. Yes, go Um, you know, but but that's that's basically the the playbook they're going to run. 
because they they can't do anything. They can't run on their economic policy because nobody understandably believes them. They can't run on foreign policy credentials because the world is on fire and it's getting worse. In fact, every time he takes to the podium and does something, it gets worse. Right. So they're just keeping him, I think, in the White House bunker, uh, you know, under lock and key. Um, and so, so th- that's what they're going to do because they cannot run a normal, as Mark Thiessen pointed out, they cannot run a normal campaign because he's not a normal candidate. He's completely brain dead. It's uh, the scene from Star Trek, you know, Jim, his brain is gone. Uh, and that's that's Joe Biden. And so we're looking at now what we see the Houthis. By the way, we were told that the Houthis moved like 74 percent of their equipment that was targeted in those strikes that Biden authorized, supposedly authorized uh, last week. They moved it out of the way before the bombs ever fell, because guess what? The White House called up the Houthis and said, we're going to bomb you. And this is where we're going to bomb you before the attack happened. So the Houthis have been completely rendered combat effective even though we're dropping bombs and we look like we're incompetent to the rest of the region. And now you add on the story of two Navy SEALs who have fallen into the drink. Um, you know, th- th- this, we do not look good to the rest of the region. We look very incompetent. Um, I, you know, my, what I would say about those SEALs is what I think probably happened. It looked like it was at night in choppy seas. The Gulf of Aden is chock full of great whites this time of year. Um, my fear is that they were eaten by sharks as soon as they went into the drink. Um, because I, I have a feeling that's that, that's what's probably happening. I don't think, hopefully, the Houthis did not get their hands on those guys. Um, but we look bad. We look well, awesome. I don't we think they did either. And there's what's interesting to me about this story, and I'm just asking my audience to keep their eyes on it. I don't know anything they don't. You probably know more than I do on this. But I, I, I caught just a little one news source I'd never heard of reporting on it first thing this morning. And the reason I found it was I it's been conversation amongst the SEAL community, as you can imagine. They would know first, almost. And so I was looking around. There was one story on it, not much. And then there was a whole bunch of them like three hours later. And evidently Kirby said something vague about it yesterday. There's just something about two dead seals, Navy seals. Yeah, Iran. It's. I'm just watch it. I'm telling people keep their eyeballs on this. This could be a small thing that could become a big thing. It could be. I don't know. It could be. It could be. Um, I I would just um, let your audience know that um, the Biden administration is not committed to restraining Iran. Right. Uh, Brett McGurk is the National Security Council's lead guy for the Middle East. Um, he sort of went ahead of went outside of his skis there, went ahead of his skis and announced a proposal for a peace plan that would have included Israel, basically. I mean, sorry, Saudi Arabia recognizing Israel in exchange for the U.S. helping to basically rehabilitate the destroyed Gaza Strip. Now, I have problems with that plan because of the latter part of it. But um, I don't believe that the Biden administration has, has, is going to sign on to anything that sees Saudi Arabia moving closer to Israel because the Biden administration is preternaturally incapable of standing with our traditional allies in the region, as you and I have spoken about for years on this show. Um, and they, Biden is very committed to appearing to be hitting Iran and its proxies without actually having any effect. 
he wants to put on a show like Clinton used to do with Al-Qaeda in the 90s, and then hopefully in his mind, or whatever's left of his mind, get the Iranians and their uh, proxies to sit down at a table and negotiate with him. But of course, he'd be negotiating from a position of weakness. Um, And so this Navy SEAL thing, um, we look incompetent and weak in a region where if you look either one of those things, let alone both of them, you will never get a deal out of any of those groups because they are not capable of dealing with somebody when they think they're weak and or incompetent as we appear to be. So I would anticipate greater hostility, not less. And we've done everything we can to send at best a mixed signal and really in more reality, a strengthening um, shot of B-12 to them. We delisted them by we, I mean Joe Biden, delisted the Houthis as a terrorist organization. He has okayed and approved of the funding of Iran, billions of dollars, uh, and the relaxation of certain sanctions with a beg at the same time to return to the negotiating table. He, he, he He is making us look weak to their strength. And the funny thing is, if you go through the history of how we interact with Iran from the Vincennes forward, it yep. seems to me when we are strong, they really do go quiet. It's yes. when we're weak that they go loud. Yes, yes, and that's what the Iranians need to be careful about because they they tried this garbage uh, in 2018 and 19 under Trump, and Trump clipped their wings right. very fast, right. which, of course, eventuated with the beautiful assassination of that dog, Kasim Soleimani. Yep. Um, and so what I would warn those in the region who are pro-Iran, the Houthis need to watch out because they keep doing this. It's in an election year, and if we have an above-board election, Trump's probably going to win. And if Trump wins, that means Iran's wings are getting clipped very quickly by the new president. And so th- their actions actually in the long run, Iran's, might end up creating the nightmare for them that they've been trying to avoid, which is Joe Biden's removed and Donald Trump comes back and look out. Boy, it's 1979 all over again, you know, all over again. Iran acts against America. America puts in someone who can take them down. Um, Let me let me uh, take a quick commercial break with you, Brandon, and and just follow up on what you said about, you know, a missile strike or an airstrike in Yemen or against the Houthis that uh, that that ends up being for naught, it's it's a further strengthening of them as well. And I'll pursue that with you when we come right back. Brandon Weikert and I'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. We we can probably lose that song, David. Yeah, we can lose it. Welcome back. Brandon Weikert is my guest. You can follow him on Twitter, X, Twix, at WeTheBrandon author of uh, several books, including The Shadow War, Ron's Quest for Supremacy. I wanted to stay on that for just a moment. Uh, Brandon, we, uh, we, we engaged in airstrikes. As you pointed out, uh, they um, were much ado about nothing, it looks yeah. like, and in part because we forewarned them. Um, you know, Bill Clinton had this strategy against al-Qaeda in 98, yep. 99, it certainly didn't put the quietus on them. In fact, it gave them yep. credibility that not only yep. does America pay attention to them, but yep. that America cannot beat them. I think we're doing yeah, everything it, we can to strengthen their hand right now. You know, I love the 1990s, but we are not living through the best re- you know, remake of it. We're living through the worst aspect yep. of it, which is the Clinton foreign policy yep. as it relates specifically to terrorism, yep. counterterrorism. Yep. Um, you're right. We are basically elevating this group 
at the same time that we are being ineffectual against them. And it's not because they're so bad and they're so brilliant at being evil terrorists. It's simply because we have an idiot in the White House and he's surrounded by idiots and ideologues who are more interested in pursuing MAGA hat-wearing grannies who may have walked through the Capitol uh, than they are in actually killing terrorists, real terrorists. And uh, until we get a different leader, this is going to persist. We will be made weaker. We will appear to be the weaker horse to Iran's stronger horse, uh, to use bin Laden's rhetoric. And we know where that will lead, another war in the Middle East, which you and I, I think, are trying to avoid. Well, obviously, uh, we, we don't want it. But, you know, those words of Lincoln's second inaugural haunt me. The war came. One side deprecated war. One side initiated and the war came. And you think about what Iran has been doing for the better part of almost 50 years, and then you think about the three H's, Hamas, Hezbollah, (laughs) Houthis, and then you think about, obviously, the IRGC. Um, You just think about, you know, if you had to design an organization that looked something like, I don't know, a specter from Thunderball or something— you, yes. you, you, you've got your terrorism, you've got your extortion, you've, you've got it all right here. Yeah. It's right yeah. here. And they're also doing a lot of drug running. They're partnered with running. Venezuela uh, and the drug kingpins there, uh, and they're pushing cocaine all the way up through Venezuela, all the way up to the broken uh, southwestern border here uh, as part of a funding operation to fund their, their, their terrorism even further, uh, human trafficking as well. Uh, and illicit arms trade. That's that the three the three biggies uh, that fund terrorism are illicit arms, uh, the human trafficking, and the illegal drugs. And the IRGC has its hands and its proxies' hands, uh, you know, dipped in all of those things. And uh, and so th- th- this is the the most evil. I think one of the most evil organizations uh, that we have to go up against. We probably since the Nazis. Um, and, um, you know, we don't have a government that seems to be able to understand what it is they're up against, which is a hydra, uh, and they don't seem to understand also, um, you know, how you go about fighting it, or they're even not even really interested in fighting it, whatever lip service they pay, and you saw this with the response to the Houthis. Uh, you know, we Biden, finally, after weeks and weeks and weeks of letting the Houthis and Iran terrorize uh, our troops, in Iraq and Syria, and then the shipping in the Red Sea uh, finally hits the Houthis. But I want to repeat this. Before the bombs dropped, Biden called the leadership of the Houthis and told them, this is where we're going to strike, and this is when we're going to strike. And it gave them all the time they needed to move the bulk of their assets out of the way of our bombs, which is why they're still terrorizing us. What does it look like... um what does it look like to take this war seriously? In 1979, 1980, it took little more than the inauguration of Ronald Reagan. It took little more than that right. um, and right. with Iran. And I'm wondering if the inauguration of Donald Trump speaks the same stick. Well, if we can have a free and fair election in 2024... Um, I think that because the Iranian regime does not want to fight us in a head-on fight. They want to do unconventional methods. They want to sap us over the long, to- long term, and they want to hit us with terrorism. And so if we can 
get the right president in who has, in Trump's case, a track record of containing Iran without ever actually going to war with Iran, um, then I think the Iranians will back down. Um, the threat won't go away, but they will be contained. And I think the same is true with North Korea, by the way. Um, but with Biden, he does not know how to handle this threat, and he's encouraging the worst behavior. So we will be at a regional war that could become a world war, I think, if Biden gets reelected. And so I think, yeah, the, a new president would probably cut this thing in half, you know, or at least take out 80% of the threat in the near term. The problem really, though, is how do we get the Saudis to lead the Sunni Arab states back into the waiting arms of the Israelis? And how do we get those two groups to start really coordinating in an almost Mideast NATO uh, to contain Iran the way that we created NATO in the 1950s to contain the Soviet Union. Because if you can contain Iran, and then you can apply maximum pressure economically and diplomatically, while the Israelis and the Saudis apply military pressure, you can basically, I think, create a situation within Iran where the people there can finally have the abilities that they need to overthrow their government. And that's basically what happened in the Soviet Union after 70 years of containment and deterrence. We need something similar uh, today with Iran at a regional level. And we don't have a president right now who views it that way. He wants to do a deal with Iran and basically do to Iran what we did with China in the 1970s. And we know how terribly that policy has played out. It's made the Chinese stronger. And so we, do not, we should not be trying to integrate Iran into the global trading network and treating them like they're a normal country. Because as long as the Islamists run it, they will never be a normal country. Um, does Joe Biden, this is probably a long question, uh, 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 does Joe Biden have a, um, a problem in deciding what to do because of a political base that is, let's say, much more supportive than it ever used to be in the conflict between, say, Israel and Hamas or Israel and Iran. I mean, he has he has a weird Democratic Party right now. And yeah, he does. He has a psychotic. One. Yeah, it's on the, specifically on this issue. It's really weird. Now, well, yeah. counterpoising <laughs> that is, you see, Donald Trump is attracting more and more young people. Um, but you do look at what transpired. Was it Saturday night at the White House? Oh my God! And <laughs> yeah. and no one's the covering the non-insurrection insurrection. Oh my God! Let me take a commercial break and come back to you on what the political calculation of the Biden administration would be yeah. right now with regard to its youth, its wingnuts who may have taken over the asylum. Have they taken over the asylum? And is there any kind of hope that the Democratic Party? for the Democratic Party, can overcome this. Brandon Weikert and I will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, the 960 Patriot Broadcast Studio, brought to you by the veteran-owned Midas Gold Group, your trusted source for precious metals. Brandon Weikert is my guest. Brandon, we have teams and teams of Americans protesting Saturday night outside the White House, breaking down barriers, White House staff having to be evacuated, um, not covered much by the media. But, of course not. But, but you know what they were shouting? Some of the things they were shouting was, Yemen, 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 make us proud? We have Americans cheering for the other side? Well, Yemen, Yemen, look, make us proud. Turn another ship around. 
Yeah. This is yeah, the Democratic well, Party of today? It's also Gen Z of today. It's yeah. the youth of today. It's yeah. somebody who taught. I taught at yes. high school level. I taught at college level. Um, the youth of America are not well. And they, we, we are raising a generation of not only ignoramuses, but of hostile ignoramuses, um, anti-American, masochistic ignoramuses. Um, and that was on display at the White House. But, you know, the, the real issue here is, as a side note, I would just say, looking at what happened that, over the weekend with that riot, and that's what it was, that insurrection, um, the fact that not one of those rioters were arrested or, you know, thrown in jail and denied, you know, their access to an attorney. In my opinion, that should mean that the J6ers that are in prison or whatever in jail should immediately be let go with no charges. Because no charges are going to be filed for people chanting for a foreign terrorist organization while disrupting our, you know, government's operations, sending the White House staff fleeing for the hills. Um they're not going to be punished, but yet people who wandered into the Capitol um, on January 6th, which I admit was a riot, just like what we saw over the weekend, those people are going to have the book thrown at them. Those people are going to have their lives ruined. But these idiots that are protesting and, and standing in solidarity with foreign terrorists, they get a pat on the back. And you're right. It's because Biden is appealing to not only this youthful demographic on the left, represented by the, the squad, but he's also trying to play for the Muslim American vote, which until this thing with Israel started, most Muslim Americans were starting to turn away from the Democrats on cultural issues. And now they're being brought back in because, you know, the anti-Semite, you know, you know, factor. Um, and so now we have an issue uh, where Biden is beholden to these radicals because he wants to keep that Muslim American vote. He takes the Jewish vote for granted, um, and he's trying to also appeal to these nut job wing nuts in the youth, uh, and that's what his that's his base. He's playing to his base, so it's okay uh, to disrupt the White House's ordinary functions and to call yourself a representative of foreign terrorist organizations while doing it, um, and nothing will happen to you. In fact, they're going to try to reward you, so you vote for them. But if you're a J Sixer who's upset with the way the election was handled and you want accountability. Uh, on Capitol Hill, you know, you're going to have your life ruined and you will be considered a domestic terrorist. There's a problem here. There's a problem here, and it may run far deeper than we know. Uh, tomorrow, supposedly, several groups of federal employees plan to do a walkout from work in protest against uh, the United States position on all of this. Um, they write a group of federal employees representing a range of federal agencies believe it is our patriotic duty and moral imperative to urge our government to call for a ceasefire and support humanitarian aid and access for Gaza. The deep state (laughs) and the coddling of interns has gotten so strong that they think they're in charge. Yeah, well, in many respects, they are. And in many respects, they are. You said before the break, the inmates have taken over the asylum. I think this is just another example. It's also another example, though, of that which Trump has been complaining about since he ran in 2015 and 16, which is the swamp. This is yet another example of the permanent bureaucracy hijacking the elected political system's uh, leadership and basically telling them, you're going to do what we want, not we're going to do what the elected representatives of the people want, want us to do. 
And that, to me, should tell you that 80%, particularly in the military and uh, intelligence services, 80% of the leadership and that mid-level bureaucracy management must be lopped off immediately. No, no questions asked. They should just get pink slips right away. No, and they should not be allowed to keep their pensions. They should basically be forced to go live in the real economy and see how they like it. Because this is disgusting, and it's also treasonous behavior, and you can bet under Biden it'll be rewarded. Let me come back on that and the strength of the swamp with Brandon Weicker when we do come back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Brandon Weikert is my gay guest. His books, Winning Space, How America Remains a Superpower, The Shadow War, Ron's Quest for Supremacy, Biohacked, China's Race to Control Life. Brandon, just how strong is that swamp, that deep state, that, 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 that level of bureaucracy of unelecteds who believe they're in charge and who, as you said, in many ways are in charge? Remember early on in the Trump administration, the New York Times found some assistant secretary to a chief of whatever at Homeland Security who wrote an anonymous piece for the New York Times saying, don't worry, we've yeah. got this covered. We, we're, we're protecting America. Um, Donald Trump couldn't find him. The guy left on his own accord. Turns out his name was something. Miles Taylor. My, none of us knew who he was, I don't think. I did. You knew him. OK. And um, and I, you just you just get the sense that they they brag about it. They're proud of this. Um, that can they be rooted out? I don't know. I don't know. The New York Times can find him. Republicans seem unable to. Well, this is this is why, you know, one of the reasons I was initially supporting DeSantis was because I was very upset with Trump because he didn't drain the swamp. He was drowned by it. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's just going to happen to any Republican that's trying to truly reform that den of vipers. Um, But the problem is, is that what we need and what I was saying in 2016, and of course, I was I was cut out of the transition. uh, But what I was saying in 2016 was that we needed to basically go in and like I just told you before the break, basically just fire um, 80% of the managers and start basically not just going for the political appointees. That's easy. We needed to start going at the the mid-level because that's where the, 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 the real rot is because they're all permanent employees and they all think they know better and they are all living in these posh Northern Virginia homes and they don't really care what the elected representatives want because they're there for four or eight years tops. And so you've got to get rid of that permanent civil servant class. Um, I mean, mean, I'm even in favor of going back to when we didn't have a civil service, uh, when we had just the spoil system, because at least then we knew that the president was going to put the people in that he trusted and that that was just sort of the way it was. But now we have this horribly inefficient corrupt system where somebody gets a job they're there for life they're usually picked because they're good liberals they went to the right school where all the other liberals went and they're going to make sure that no republican president can ever fully implement their agenda and if you're somebody like trump who's completely outside of what they consider to be quote-unquote normal republican presidents uh, they're going to weaponize the intelligence and justice systems and they're going to go after you from within and so this is we're not even living in a constitutional order anymore. And so Trump's going to have to go in. He's going to have to be bashing heads in from day one. And I know he says he will. But my fear is that he's not going to be able to get everybody 
because the, the rot is so deep. And so I don't even know, short of a true crisis, if we'll be able to get rid of all of that dead weight. I, you know, you wonder if he needs to, you know, look for someone who, whether it's a chief of staff or a specially appointed advisor, who, whose sole duty is to take this on whose sole duty is to take this on in a way that, because it doesn't look like, I mean, I, I just can't envision the scenario in which Ron DeSantis becomes president at this point. He's not going to. No, I, I just I can't even create it in my it's head. It's not going to happen. Yeah. yeah. By the way, what would you chalk that up to? Um, he hired the wrong people. He handed it over to a bunch of children, his campaign, and he waged a Twitter war because everybody assumed, well, that's how Trump won. They didn't understand the essence of how Trump won. It wasn't just Twitter. That's such a reductive view. Um, And then he, you know, I mean, people like me were sort of boxed out yet again uh, in favor of, you know, people who really don't know what they're doing, but they're well connected. Um, I know what I'm doing, but unfortunately, I don't have the connections that these people do uh, because I've been out of D.C. for so long. um, And I'm not really hankering to get those connections again because most of those people are scumbags. Um, but, um, you know, the, 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 the DeSantis campaign imploded because they did not understand how Trump won in 2016. They only looked at it as he raised a social media campaign and that's what we'll do. But that's not how he won. That was only part of it. Um, and so DeSantis and then also DeSantis didn't hit Trump early enough. DeSantis let Trump define him. DeSantis did not go out. And so, you know, um, you know whether he runs again or not in four years. I, I think that he really he really shot himself in the foot, um, and this might be it for him. I don't see how he could run again in four years. I, I mean, agree. I, I just I agree. he spent too much for the money. same reasons that we thought that he had to run this time. Um, Agreed. That, that that to quote him, Father Time is undefeated. Um, That's right. To quote That's DeSantis right. himself, I did t- detect a tremendous amount of arrogance in the campaign. At one level, and a, and a tremendous amount of childish. Well, I think you and I are speaking about the same people. We might be. <laughs> I saw a lot of arrogance, but I saw it was attended by a lot of childishness. I did exactly. not see a lot you, of a you steady and I are hand. We speaking about the same people. We are talking about the same people. We might be. I, I believe so. <laughs> okay, we might be. We've never compared notes on this. That's problem one. Problem two is you know Ross do that got to a little bit of this in the New York Times over the weekend, you know, he didn't do on the national stage what he did in Florida. People want a fighter. He fought media. He fought industry, Disney. He fought still the universities. Too, by the way. Huh? He's still fighting them down here. Yeah, still? Okay. Yeah. yeah. And and yet on the national stage, he didn't really take that He was a wallflower. Yeah, yeah, he was a wallflower. I, 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 this is what I said to a colleague of mine who asked me this question last week, um, and I, you know, I don't have anything to do with the campaign anymore. I don't, I, I'm not affiliated with them at all. I was nominally affiliated with them, but now I'm not at all, and that's fine. Um, but I said this. I said, you know, you know, we thought we were getting the guy who took on Disney, yeah. the guy who was standing up for patients' rights. Yeah. We thought we were getting a guy who was brilliant and tough. Instead, we're getting a guy who... He's relitigating COVID is what he's doing. It's weird. Well, yeah, he's relitigating COVID, but that's not even the issue. The issue is his personality is different on stage in the national arena than it is in Florida. I have been up close and personal with him when he has been conducting business here in Florida. He is a different guy. I don't know if he's just more comfortable here. I don't know. But on a national stage, he just does not seem like he's with it. Yeah. 
Yeah. You think he comes in third tonight? I mean, I still would not be surprised given the amount of resources and time he spent in Iowa and the fact that Reynolds is supporting him. Yeah. I would not be surprised if he does manage to win this. But yeah. just, just because he went Iowa, Ted Cruz won Iowa. Oh, yeah, no, it's not predictive. I, and he's not going to have a I very think, good time in New Hampshire, but it'll keep him alive. It'll right, keep... and I think Nikki Haley or Trump are probably going to win New Hampshire. I and mean, you and I have gone over this before, and I think it's going to all come down like it always does in the early primary states to South Carolina. Yeah. And I think that's where Trump's going to make some maneuvers to make sure sure he does win that and if he wins that it's pretty much over especially if he ends up and i hope he doesn't if he ends up doing that deal i've been talking about with nikki Haley. yeah i hope uh, not i I really really hope hope not not the case yeah i hope not it will be boy it'll yeah it'll put trump supporters in into a into a pretzel of of justification yes it will all right brandon weikert my man we the brandon on twitter x twix (laughs) winning space how america remains a superpower the shadow war runs quest for supremacy and biohacked China's race to control life. Stay close. We may have to call you again this week, brother. I'll be here. All right. God bless you. Portions of this show brought to you by our good friends at Y-Refi. They have a secure investment that actually helps people, and you, the investor, are given so much flexibility and control. You can turn your income on or off. You can compound it. You get a monthly statement with no surprises. There is no attack on principle if you ever need your money back. And it is a secure collateralized portfolio where you can earn up to a 10.25% fixed rate of return. 10.25% fixed rate of return, not correlated to the stock market or the Fed. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then refy.com. Or give them a call at 888-YREFI24, 888-YREFI24. Refi 24. Yeah, I can't, um, as nobody can, um, predict what uh, what um, will eventuate in Iowa tonight at the caucuses. But the most important thing will be how close does Ron DeSantis or Nikki Haley lead into Trump? Does Trump win more than 50 percent? That's a big that's a that's that will have a big dividend if true. I think he will be the first candidate in the Republican Party in a contested election to do so if he does so. If he wins by over 50 percent, boy, that that pretty that that shortens the primary season a lot. If Nikki Haley comes in second and beats DeSantis by any number. I think that's the death knell for DeSantis. I just he's not doing well in New Hampshire. Um she will get a lot of life in New Hampshire where she's doing pretty well. Um and all of this of course is probably much ado about nothing anyway. Uh given that Donald Trump seems to be the inevitable nominee. Seems to be. Obviously anything can happen, but you know, that's true every in every election, anything can happen. It's just that there's a lot more there's a lot more around Donald Trump right now than there has been in the past. And and I suppose the most interesting political books that will come out of this race, because there's always three or four really juicy ones that come out of a race like this, the most juicy ones will be about what happened to the DeSantis campaign. Go back and listen to how people were talking about DeSantis exactly a year ago. He was 
the great white knight in shining armor. And he just ain't. He just ain't. And if Nikki Haley bests him tonight, it's lights out. The reason I think he has a fighting chance is how much bragging his team is doing about how well organized they are in Iowa. They wouldn't be bragging that much if they didn't know something we don't know. But it might also be the triumph of hope over reality. All right. We'll know what's what tomorrow. Until tomorrow. On behalf of David Dahl, Mr. Bill and Terry, I am Seth Leapson. God bless you all and class is dismissed.